Mr. John, my family uh, and I worship and belong to this church. I'm one of the pastors and I help to lead Hastings Food Bank with, a, with my wife and a wonderful team of volunteers. And it's my pleasure to be speaking to you this morning. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. While you're doing that, we in uh, this church here have been going through something we've called the hunger season. And the idea of that really is there's lots of stuff that's necessary in church life, that's good in church life, but we've set aside this, this particular period to say, to try and stop ourselves, slow ourselves down and say, God, please, we want you to know above all the stuff we do, all the good stuff, we're yours and you have your way and let your kingdom come and let your will be done. It's like pausing in an important game of football and just thinking, what needs to happen here? Rather than just ploughing on with the same stuff. And what's come through very clearly has been identity. As we've been saying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do amongst us? He's been saying, I want you to know who you are. I want you to know what I've done for you. I want you to really know not just intellectually, not just not become over-familiar. And as you know who you are, I want you to be free to be who you are as my people, as families, as venues, as individuals. And because as you do that, you will bring me glory. As you do that, I will shine through you. As you do that, you will uh, be able to uh, have more of my joy, my hope, my peace within you, you will radiate as a church, you'll be more effective in your lives. So that really, I think for me, has been the theme that's been coming through, and there's been lots of stuff happening. And I want to continue with that this morning by looking at a, a picture, a vision of Christ and the church. So Father God, I thank you for your help this morning by your Holy Spirit in already worshipping you and giving our hearts to you, and I pray selfishly for help this morning to communicate and I pray you'd give us ears to hear and eyes to see and minds to be open to who you are and who you call us to be. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to be reading from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. And this is written by what many people think was Jesus' best mate. Jesus wasn't married, so probably, other than his mum, probably knew Jesus better than anybody that was around at the time. They hung out together. He would have seen when Jesus was stressed, when he was happy. Um, and he has been telling people about this Jesus and he's been arrested for it and he's been taken to the Isle of Patmos. Now, you might think it's like some nice Greek island. It wasn't like that. It was isolated. It was barren. He's, it's really important for some of you here to hear this. Circumstance and the powers that be had tried to sideline him. Be quiet. Stop talking about this Jesus. Be removed. Be put in a really difficult situation where there's no hope of ever getting out. And then God meets him and gives him this revelation of who Jesus is. and says, you do not sideline my people. You do not sideline my friends. The more situation and circumstance tries to sideline, the more I'm going to use and get glory from them. And so God gave a, a vision, an open vision. There's four, actually. We're going to look at the first one. To this guy, John, who thought he knew Jesus. 
He thought he knew Jesus. I thought I knew Jesus. I read this a bit more. Perhaps I don't know him as well as I thought I did. So let's read. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write down what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. And then it lists the names of the churches. Then I turned, you would, wouldn't you? (laughs) Trumpet voice behind you, you would turn. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the seven lampstands was one like a son of man. He was clothed in a long robe and had a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. Whoa! His voice, it was like the roar of mighty waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face, his face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not fear. Any fear this morning? Fear of death, fear of failure. We're going to meet the risen Lord Jesus this morning and there's going to be an opportunity to find freedom. Do not fear. Why not? I am the first. Who, what was there at the start? He was. And I am the last. What's going to be there at the end? He will. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. Yes, I did die, but now I am alive forevermore. You want to meet someone that's been through death? Get to know Jesus. He says, Behold, I am alive forevermore, and in my pocket are the keys to death and hell. Write, therefore, the things you have seen, those that are and those that will take place. As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels or messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay, I'm going to split this quickly into two halves so that we, the first half is about us and who we are and we're going to do some business with God and get free for some stuff and see things properly as they are, not as we think they are and then we're going to focus on him and go back into worship and ask him to come by his Holy Spirit and meet us. There's this voice like a trumpet um, and John turns and when he turns he doesn't first see Jesus, one like a son of man. He sees a seven golden lampstands and then in the midst he sees a person, sees one like a son of man. Just like John, it's the same today. Before people see Jesus, they see you and me. So Nat, when you said 
um, you came down and you, and you said, basically, I see my failings, my that, but I see, but Jesus, you miss one thing out. The more people look at you, the more people look at us. They might see our imperf- imperfections, but they will see Jesus. They will see Jesus. When they look at you, they will see Jesus. However imperfect you are, however you don't measure up, it says, I turned and I saw the church. People like you and me. That's the first thing I saw. And then, because I was caught by these lampstands, I saw, oh, there's some, what's, going on in, what's going on up there on the ridge? What's going on in your life? Oh, look, there's one like the Son of Man. When people look at you, the more they look at you, they see Jesus. They see Jesus when they look at you. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Four things about these lampstands. Four things about us. Number one, they're gold. They are precious. Do you know how precious you are, church? How we talk about the church, we must be so careful. We must be so careful. Jesus loves the church. You're a precious golden lampstand. You're not some two-for-one job down at Ikea. You're gold lampstands. You're so precious. You weren't bought with silver and gold. You were bought with the precious blood of the lamb. You were bought with the precious blood of the lamb. If we get two paintings, and one's a Picasso, and one I did, or my kids did say, one's my kids did, I will like the one my kid did more than the Picasso because it's done by my kid. But I can tell you which one I'll be more careful about when I'm moving. (laughs) Be the Picasso. Because my kids can do another drawing. You, whether you like it or not, you're God's Picasso. It says in Ephesians, we are Christ Jesus' workmanship. We are the workmanship of Christ Jesus, created to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Lie number one. If only I could get out of the way, they'd see Jesus. That's lie number one. Honestly, I feel like Ghostbusters this morning. I want to have a special cage that can get get these lies, lock them up, put them away. No, people see Jesus when they see you. Honestly, you guys over here, people, if you love and follow God, however imperfect you are, people see Jesus when they look at you. This lot, no matter whether you've been a Christian a day or 10 years, people see Jesus when they look at you at school, at work. You guys, people see Jesus when they look at you. (laughs) It's ridiculous, amazing. You're Christ's workmanship. He's working on you like precious gold. You guys, when people look at you, they see Jesus. First thing, you're precious. Number two, you're made for prominence. You're made for prominence. Oh, they'll just hide away. Really be better in the band, really. If we could play behind the screen so all the glory goes to Jesus. No, you're made for prominence. A lampstand sticks up so you can put the light on the top. You're made for prominence. That's lie number two. We don't want you to get out the way so we can get to Jesus. We want to get to know you and through you get to know more about Jesus. I don't, at my wedding day, I didn't say, I'd love to marry you, Al, but if you could just, um, 
be behind a screen somewhere because it's really about me. Well, it's the same, that's how Jesus feels, with a bride of Christ. What do you mean, get, get out the way so we can see Jesus? It's my bride. Don't diss my bride. Have you seen her? I gave myself for her. Church, we've got to stop hiding. Stop pretending that you're not important. You're made for prominence. Some of you, like Nat, sorry to pick on you again, starting to speak on a national platform. Don't fear prominence. Let your light shine. Because through you, they'll see Jesus. Some of you, you're just prominent to one person. Great. Be the best friend you can be and let your light shine. Be prominent in your workplace. Be prominent when you're out riding your bike. Be prominent in your family. If you're a Christian, the others aren't. Don't fear prominence. You were made for it. Number three. Man, you've got a purpose. I don't know what my gifting is. I don't know what, I'm, what if I belong here. No. Ghostbusters, get that lie, put it in a box. You're made for a purpose. What's your purpose? Your purpose is to have the light of Jesus Christ stuck right in the centre of your light so it shines like a beacon. It doesn't matter if you have a position here in the church. It doesn't matter if you feel you have a role. It, it really doesn't matter if you ever preach or don't. It doesn't matter if you ever lead worship or don't. It really doesn't matter. That's not your primary role. God says, lampstand, stick my light by the Holy Spirit in you. You are made for purpose. You never, ever need to doubt whether you have a purpose. And it doesn't matter whether you are like John and through circumstance and tragedy or arrest, you've been feel like you've been sidelined and you've been isolated and you've been told to be quiet, God says, I'll give you a vision of revelation. The more circumstance comes to shut you up, isolate you, close you down, the more God says, that's my lampstand, get your hands off of it, I'm going to let it shine. If you've never had the opportunity to be around someone who's a Christian and they've been bereaved or they're facing illness or difficulty, I tell you what, when you get near, you feel like you're on holy ground. You think, man, they often can't see it themselves, but you think, I've come to try and be some comfort, and all I'm getting is the light coming off of you, through you, through Jesus. You are precious, church. You are made for prominence. You have a purpose, every one of you. And you're also powerful. One of the things about gold is I've got a couple of uh, lampstands, and they're quite precious to me, because they're wooden, they're brought by friends of ours who we can't see because they're the other side of the world, it's too expensive to see them. And they brought back a couple of candlesticks from when they went uh, around the Middle East on a tour, they brought them back from Jerusalem. And they're made of wood. So one caught fire a little bit, <laughs> whoops, and the top broke off another one, and at last, your golden lampstands, what God has done in you is permanent. It's for keeps circumstance, sin, cannot break your salvation. You can make a right mess of it, but what God has done is gold. It's precious. It's powerful. It's for prominence and it's purposeful. It says in Matthew 5, I'm going to read this out nice and quick, Matthew 5. It says, Matthew 5, verse, 13, verse 14, you are the light of of the world. How does the, how does the world get light to live by? You. You're it. 
You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine. You hearing what Jesus says? Let your light shine, church. So others may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. We must be very careful. There's lots of things Jesus said, do it privately, like have a, have a regular time with God in the word, give your money privately, your, your personal religion that works on your character or your relation with God, private. Your works, public. And we get those muddled up, don't we? Your works, public. You're supposed to do stuff to be seen. People, it's okay for people to come up and go, you're so great. Because then you can say, yeah, okay, that's because of him. You're supposed to do your stuff in front of people. You are the light of the world. If not you, there isn't another one. So what I just quickly wanted to, to say is this. So many of us have been lied to. And being a light in the world, you think, oh, my personality just, I'm not like you, John. I don't have the ability to. I don't have the maturity. Imagine, after this, I go home it's a bit dark and I go into my front door and I switch the light switch and it says, oh no, not coming on, I'm afraid. Just don't feel I'm bright enough, really. And I go to the fridge and I open the door and it says, oh no, I'm just a fridge light. I'm not coming on because I'm not a house light. And there's something in the garden, so I get a torch and the torch says, oh no, I'm not going to come on because I'm not like a stadium light. I'm pathetic, I'm just a little torch light. I'm really grateful for a fridge light when I open the fridge. I don't want a stadium light when I open the fridge. (laughs) I want a fridge light. My neighbours don't want a stadium light when I go out in the garden in the evening. It's okay to be a fridge light. It's okay. Actually, my sphere of influence is quite small. It's okay. It's okay if your, your light really is primarily outside the church. It's okay. It's okay if God gives you a national platform and you're a huge light. It's okay. You are the light of the world. Don't hide. Don't stick a bucket on your head. I was trying to look for a bucket. How ridiculous would it be if I walked around with a bucket on my head? It's really important. We don't make our light shine. We let our light shine. Oh, God, shine, shine. We don't make our light shine. You can't be, if you're like, imagine the sun. It doesn't, you can't not be light. You have the quality and the characteristics of light. You are light. Do you know what that means? And I love this because I get this from Paul Edwards all the time. You can just be yourself. Hate evangelism because always tell us to do this. No, no, no. You can just be yourself. Why? Because you're a light. You shine. You can't not shine. The only thing you can do is stick a bucket on your head and stop it. And it's time. I want to collect buckets this morning. I want to collect buckets. What's your bucket? My personality, my confidence my ability, my maturity. Look, what stop, what, 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 a bucket can be sin. And I was thinking about this this morning. If you know you're in a, a, one area particularly of sin and it's ongoing and it's affecting your light, stop it, sort it out, talk to someone. I know I've got one. Paul was sharing, just in case you think like we're all the holy ones, Paul was sharing a, a, a team meeting. He's saying, actually in this hunger season, God's just nailed me on an issue. So look at that, look at that particular attitude. I want you to deal with that. He's got one. I've got one. This morning, if you know how you speak, what you watch, how you think, how you handle yourself, 
deal with it this morning. When we have a time of ministry, just say, God, I'm done with that. Have my bucket. If you count yourself out because you lack confidence, I was talking to Al. Um, I'm extrovert. She's introvert. I was talking to Al before we came here. And she was saying, looks like a light came on when I was away at training uh, the last couple of days. I realised I am good at sharing my faith. I'd almost got to a stage where I stopped doing it, but I, am, I used to do it. I used to chat to people, I used to talk to people, and it's like, she just had to take a bucket off of not, I am good at this, I'm a light, I'm made to shine. You with me so far? God has prepared good works for us to do. We're supposed to be seen. Now, the really important thing, so we can go back into ministry. It says, once we get the fact that we're a lampstand, it says, in amongst the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. First thing we notice when we see him, he's wearing a long robe and a golden sash. He ain't no carpenter anymore. He's not just some carpenter anymore. He's royal with a golden sash around him. He's risen from the grave, he's seated on the throne, and he's in charge. It says this about him. His hair was white like wool, like snow. Now, what that, it's not white like this, it's not white. It's, it's like, like, like snow. And that, in Revelation, in the Bible, I'm told, by people that study this a lot, is when all the colours come together, you get white. It's a symbol of fullness, perfection, purity. He's not like me, slightly balding on top because there's a bit too much testosterone. There's nothing out of whack in him. He doesn't need to braid his hair to try and enhance something because he's got it all. He's full perfect in every way and what's fascinated is if you read a vision in the book of Daniel 500 plus years earlier he has this Daniel has this vision when he's in trouble as well he has this vision and he sees the ancient of days God on the throne and he's approached by the son of man we're reading about here when the son of man approaches the ancient of days guess what he looks like white like wool hair white like wool hair like snow so what's happened here is somehow this son of man, this human being, is somehow the eternal one. Somehow he's one and the same. This Jesus carpenter from Nazareth is risen from the dead and we find out he's not just Jesus, the man from Nazareth, he's the eternal one. He's the eternal one seated on the throne with a golden sash saying, I'm in charge. His eyes. You know you get these contact lenses, don't you? got funky contact lenses make my eye blue what sort of contact lenses you got jesus has got fire literally when you look at it, it's like fire coming out of his eyes you don't get this in children's books do you where's the children's bible ah! he's got fire coming out of his eyes jesus is so totally and utterly pure and other and eternal that when you look at him from his very innermost being it's like flames of fire He's fully man. He's the eternal one. He's of such essence. Who he is is so different and other that it looks like fire coming out of his eyes. Burning purity and holiness. And we get to come to him and say, I know Jesus. He lives in me. The one with burning eyes. No wonder we shine like lights. By his spirit, this one with burning eyes lives inside us. I love this. It goes on to his 
feet. His feet are like burnished bronze. Even his feet seem to glow like they're on fire. Feet is where you touch earth, isn't it? Think about Jesus and his humanity. Burnished bronze is tested in a fire and it's purified and strengthened and glows. Jesus was tempted and tested in every way and yet was without sin. Jesus was tempted and tested in every way and yet he isn't just holy in his essence, he was holy as a man, without sin. Think about when he met the woman with the issue of blood. Constant bleeding. He says, oh, daughter, be healed. He meets the man who's got demons in him and he's violent and he's naked and Jesus says get out of him be clothed in your right mind Jesus meets injustice and he brings justice Jesus brings hopelessness Jesus meets hopelessness and he brings hope you read about him in the gospels he's got feet like burnished bronze tried and tested in every way and guess who's his hands and feet now guess where he touches earth now through you and me don't be surprised if we're tried and tested through fire it will just make you glow all the brighter Now, in his hand, he has seven stars, which are the messengers of the churches, and out of his mouth comes a sharp double-edged sword. If you were going into battle, and you had a message and a sword, where would you want your sword? Sorry, whoever's the water bottle this is. God! You wouldn't put a sword in your mouth, would you? I don't think anyone's going to run away if you attack someone with a sword in your mouth. And what's a message doing in your hand? But Jesus, earthly kings, don't they? They say, don't mess with me, otherwise I'll put uh, guns and bombs, I'll put a sword in my hand and I'll come with violence. And and they speak with their mouth. Jesus is the other way round. His sharp, double-edged sword, his weapon is in his mouth because his word is all he needs. His word is all he needs. The the gospel, the good news about Jesus, when you tell someone about Jesus, it's the power of God to save totally, utterly, radically, eternally. When you share the gospel with someone, you are sharing the message, the sword of God, the one who speaks with a voice like mighty waters, the eternal message that brings eternal salvation. It says, in his hand are the messengers because that's all we need too. Have you been lied to that you should just be kind and nice? No. You've, we, to let our light shine, we must, we have to speak the gospel. The sword is in the mouth. People need to know. Do you remember that famous verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world because he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life? I've got news for you. It's not famous anymore. It's not famous anymore. People need to know. It says, his voice is like mighty waters. I went to Niagara Falls, had the privilege of going to Niagara Falls, and before you get anywhere near it, what you hear is... When you get near it, it's... And when you get near I went with a friend, I'm going... It's quite impressive, isn't it? He's going, I can't hear you. It's quite impressive. It's the volume of water, is, it's the noise that gets you. His voice is like mighty waters. And what that signifies is this, power and authority. Do us a favour, will you? Would you just go and stop Niagara Falls for a minute? We want to go across. Nothing is stopping that. It's got power and it's got authority. 
when the word of God comes into a life, it doesn't matter what's been built, what construct, what lies you've been told, what strongholds of thinking are there, how abused you've been, how unloved you've been. I tell you, when the word of God comes, it can break through that, gently break those walls down and bring healing and hope. I was up at North when the Lake District had that awful flooding. And loads of people getting really excited. They're going, oh my goodness, we found this ancient map where there used to be this river on it. And so much rain came that these rivers came back and new waterfalls appeared. And there was this, I can't remember, it was a house or a pub that was built on the site of an old river. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This permanent's got foundations, brick. And as the rain came and it came down off of the hillside, it's devastating for that family. I'm not making, or whoever it was, I'm not making light of it. But the cracks appeared, and it didn't take long, but the whole thing was washed away. We're going to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a minute. And he will come, and no matter what's happened to you, he will wash away the lies, the hurt. And finally, it says his face was shining like the sun in full brilliance. When you meet Jesus, you're not going to go, Yo, Jesus, my homeboy, give us a high five. You won't do that. We can't even look at the sun. People sometimes say, when I meet God, I'm going to say a few things. (laughs) down like that on your face John saw this all together he was totally overwhelmed I don't know whether it was voluntary I have a feeling probably his knees went and he collapsed to the floor because he's not just some carpenter from Nazareth he's the eternal one who when he speaks it's like Niagara Falls but I love this last very last point it says but he put his right hand upon me in the dust you sinner you imperfect person the one who doesn't deserve to come before God, he put his right hand, that's his strength, his miraculous, miracle-working, creating arm, he puts it down on you and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If, it's right to fear lots of things, but then you meet him and you think, it says, don't be afraid because I'm, I'm the living one. I was dead, I'm alive. I've got the keys to death and hell in my pocket. Ali did a thing here uh, one Sunday and he talked about fear and people set, set free from fear but he didn't go mention death and I think probably there's some people here you're frightened of death why not, you've never died before and it, listen Jesus holds the keys to death and hell no one goes in unless he lets you and when he opens the door, no one's kept in he can call in and out who he likes if you give your life to Jesus wholly, fully even death, it's just like an open door he's got the keys one day when he comes back and say, hey, come, out of death, get a new body and a new earth. We have nothing to fear when we know Jesus. So let's read this just one more time. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and I saw seven golden lampstands, the light of the world. And among the lampstands was one like a son of man. He was clothed in a long robe. If I can have the band up, please and had a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the sun in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. 
I'm the living one. Oh yeah, I died, but now I have the keys of death and hell.